0: welcome to apparently speaking the podcast from northeast ohio parent with your host miriam connor hi this is miriam welcome to apparently speaking your podcast for all things parenting today on the podcast my guest is a very special mom she's a mother of nine Um, she's going to share her story of motherhood as well as talk about helping kids through difficult times and emotions and she's got a lot of experience obviously a lot of great things to say she's a great person This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at mazdakent.com. So welcome Chrissy Durston to the show. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. We've been trying to schedule this for a very long time. (laughs) Um, And of course, since I said you have nine kids, it's not surprising that it's been hard to schedule. <laughs> and to, to make work so it makes sense so and you know i have you know we met years ago years ago when you were still in high school <laughs> yes, yes so i'm dating myself and before we started recording we were sharing some funny stories with each other so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that was great um so i really you know That's one of the things I love about social media. You know, I have a love-hate relationship with social media. But one of the things I love is that, you know, like this, I can connect with you. I've been able to see your family grow and grow and grow. And it's just, they're just... They're all so beautiful. This recent picture that you put up is just like, I just stared at it. Um, All of you. So, and you look like the sister, by the way, of all of your girls. Totally true. I'm like, this this is ridiculous. This is not fair. (laughs) It's not fair. But anyways, um, so how many kids I was thinking about this, you know, and I'm sure you've heard it all. And everybody's probably, you know, I'm sure it's annoying. Like, Oh, you got your hands full. Oh, you know, like, (laughs) I'm sure those are all your kids. You know, I'm sure throughout the years you've heard it all. And then some, Mm -hmm. um, but you, when you were younger, you know, how many kids did you think you wanted? Or maybe when you first got married or you you kind of maybe had that idea of that number in your head.
1: Yeah. Seven was always my magic number. So
0: I, I upped it by two, but I always had seven in my head. So you wanted a big, you wanted yeah. a big family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is really a really cool story. So you were teaching school, right? You yeah. didn't have kids yet. Mm-hmm. You're a school teacher. You were, were you 23? Yeah, yeah maybe 22 when it all started. 22, 23, right. 22, Super young, obviously. Yeah. Uh huh. And so share with us that story what you're sure. comfortable with.
1: Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I moved out. I graduated from school in college in Minnesota and lived here for a year. And we have my family. Um, my parents have a cabin on an island out in Puget Sound. And I grew up there every summer and had always just had in my head that I, when, you know, when I was still not married and didn't have kids yet and, you know, not tied down that I would go back out to the Pacific Northwest and just live there for a while. And so that was what I did and I just figured that I would substitute teach. And I ended up, my neighbor at the cabin, so like my grandpa and his grandpa built cabins together. So he, um, known him for years and years. He um, is a, or was an elementary school principal. And he called me like two days, the day maybe before school started and said um, he had a teacher who, with a cancer diagnosis, who had to um, go for treatment. And so I, I ended up with a teaching job the day before school started. And So perfect. yeah, right. Plenty of time to prepare. So, <laughs> um, so I so I ended up in this school, which was just uh, just a precious, precious group of kids, um, probably, I think, over 90 percent free and reduced lunch. So an area kids who came with a lot of needs and needed a lot of resources. And that first year, my oldest daughter was in my class. And she, um, she and I just formed quite a bond and she would um, stay in from her, choose to stay in from her recess and organize my bookshelves. And she wanted mm-hmm. to have lunch with me and talk with me. And it didn't take too long to realize that she wasn't safe where she was. Mm-hmm. And so I started working. So I I started talking to my principal about what I could do to help her and obviously um, involved the school counselor for that piece of the reporting piece of it. And so she and her sister um, started coming and spending the weekends with me. And that just sort of snowballed into building a stronger relationship with them, building somewhat of a relationship with their mom, having them every weekend and then three. So then now the next school year, Simone, my oldest, is in sixth grade. I'm teaching fifth grade, but my second oldest, Selena, is in the other fifth grade class because at that point, I was playing such a big role in her life, I shouldn't be her classroom teacher. And so it's three weeks before my wedding, and their situation sort of um, comes to a head, and they need help real quickly. Did you say it's three weeks before your wedding? Before my wedding. Mm -hmm. Okay. And this is in Washington State, and I'm getting married back in Illinois. It's three weeks before... And the way things went down, I don't think they would ever go down now, (laughs) but (laughs) but the way they went down at the time. So why I was not licensed for foster care, but an arrangement was made between myself, the girl's bio mom, the police officer who was involved, and the county to place the girls with me outside of a foster care situation. Um, And so, yeah, so I had two girls who had really intense needs, who were 10 and 11, had lived through severe trauma the majority of their life, um, three weeks before my wedding. And they were supposed to stay for 90 days. So they, my um, (laughs) mother-in-law, sewed mini bridesmaid dresses really quickly for them. And we bought plane tickets. Then that is a whole another story. There weren't even tickets on that plane. And then there were, and uh, we bought plane tickets and they came home and were in my wedding. And obviously those 30 days turned into forever, you know, they never left. And so, um,
0: that, I mean, this story is just, it's, it's an amazing story. I just really, you're just saying it like all nonchalantly. Like, that's just like every, you know, that's just like super, it happens everybody, but it's like you were 22 or 23 single. Yeah. So by the time we came, yeah, my husband was. Yeah, to, to say that you, you know, you you saw that there was a need, and yes, I think that you know, I would think you know, any teacher would try to help, reach out, get them help, do whatever you need to do. But you, I mean, not um, you know, basically adopt them at that age, you know, and then it's three weeks before your wedding, and this happens, and they come with you, and it's just. And then it's been, you know, those are your daughters, you know, ever since. And it's just, it's it's actually an amazing story. And I love it.
1: It's, it was really neat to see the ways that it played out and, you know, we're a family of faith. So we really, you know, feel that we saw God's hand in it. And honestly, mm-hmm. and the girls, by the time they came, so my husband was 23 and I was 24 and our thought really, you're
0: was, like, by the way. Well, we, at
1: that age, you just feel like our job is to find them some parents who know what they're doing. Honestly, I yeah, mean, it
0: just doesn't feel responsible. You just think we, we, we have no idea what we're doing. And know? it's not like it's even, you know, it's like a baby. I mean, that would be hard, not, you know, but it's like, well, these girls are already, uh-huh. you know, were they Not 11 new. and 12? Yeah. And having some background, you know, some right. issues with that. We're having like a hard time picking out our dishes to
1: register for, right? Like, and so <laughs> it, just doesn't, it didn't feel like what we should be doing. And so, um, so we really, you know, our goal was just who can we find that can do the best job for these girls and through just a series of conversations and um, places where we just, you know, saw things come together, it just became obvious to us that no, it was, you know, it was supposed to be us. It was our job and which we were thrilled about. It was what we wanted to do. It just felt
0: selfish. I love that he was on the same page, you know, because I think that's, that's amazing too, that, you know, I'm sure he was petrified on one hand, you know, like what, but I mean, that he really felt that that was Mm -hmm. what needed to happen and that he wanted it to, it wasn't like you were even, you know, convincing him you know i think i think that's just yeah, yeah. that's great and
1: important i often have people come to me who say i'm really interested in adoption but my my partner isn't you know isn't willing or isn't my answer is always don't do it you know it wait until here, oh. I mean, and adoption is desperately needed and children desperately need homes, but it, you're not setting yourself up for success unless you're both there. No.
0: Or the child doesn't need to be placed in a home where, you know what I mean? Yeah. It needs yeah. to be, Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. going to help that child either. So that's, that's great advice. I think. One um, of the most challenging things your marriage or your relationship
1: is ever going to walk through. So if, if you start with, well, this wasn't my idea that, um, yeah, you get, you've got to, full buy-in Is
0: definitely it yeah mm-hmm. so you went you know instant I mean it's just like instant parents to these yeah. girls who are you know like I said it wasn't like you know babies instant parents and they had things going on and um, their life and their background that you had to figure out how to deal with you know I'm sure that was not easy especially yeah. at your at your young age it wouldn't be easy for anybody but especially that you know you're thinking okay I'm gonna get married and we're gonna you know do these all these things and you nice. know but I love that you, I know it was like you said, you said it, you know, it's what you wanted. And I, I love that about that. And that's, that's, you know, obviously you're who they were supposed to be with. Um, and they're beautiful by the way. they and, um, are. Yes, they are. it's just so crazy that you know, now that you have kids that age, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, so you had, you had those two and then how long before another one? So I was, so they came three weeks
1: before our wedding and I was pregnant with Aaliyah by our first anniversary. So, um, so yeah, so, yep. So, I mean, Aaliyah was born within like a year and a half later.
0: And how did the girls, um, were they excited about that? Were they Mm -hmm. nervous? How did they feel about that? They
1: were, they were excited. They did a really great job of loving on her and bonding with her. Um, you know, one thing with, kids who come from hard places is that, you know, somebody that much younger um, usually isn't a threat to their needs being met. But um, emotionally, you know, they did need to walk through um, the difference between being born into a family biologically and being adopted. And um, does that determine your value, you know? Mm. And so, um, and that is one of those things. (laughs) And I'll tell you, starting at 24 with um, teenagers that came from a hard place, I do a lot of saying, oh, girls, I really am sorry. I mean, I promise you that if I had known better then I would have done better. <laughs> <laughs> I say a lot of that to my I'm own. I'm sure they don't think that at no. all. I'm oh, sure they do not feel that way. They gracious, but I mean, they were there. They know. <laughs> so, um, so all that to say, I probably in those first years could have done a better job of helping them. No. But, um, but yeah, they definitely, you know, needed to walk through what that, what that looks like. And um, yeah. What, what determines our value? Is it mm-hmm. the fact that we were born into a family? You know, is it who we were created by? What gives us worth and value? Is it that we are loved and can return love? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, that definitely. was definitely a part of their journey. Um, having said that, they were they were and are beautiful, wonderful big sisters.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yes, that's great. And all your kids are. So then you had Aaliyah. And that then is. who was after that? So then we knew we wanted to adopt again. And so we, okay. uh, we
1: applied to, we were still licensed as foster parents. And so we let, so I guess I kind of left that out of the story that the girls came to us under that arrangement, but then we immediately began our license
0: for foster okay. parenting. Um, Good.
1: So- Yep. So we. So let- that was still
0: on your heart. I. I, I that's yeah. great. You just mm-hmm. knew like that was still going to be part of your yeah. journey. You know, you were going to adopt again. Sure. Yes. And so. Yeah.
1: Yep. So we were. So we let the county know that we um, were ready to take another placement, and we're actually we were really surprised at how long it was taking, and I think struggled a little bit with how long mm-hmm. it was taking. And during that time, a good friend of mine who. Was a single mom to two um, biological kids, and then she had two um, beautiful girls adopted from China. She pulled me aside at the farmer's market in our little town and she said, see, I need you to pray for me because I really want to adopt these two girls from Haiti, but anybody else I ask will think I'm crazy. And I said, Well, I think you're crazy, but I'll pray for you if you want. <laughs> so, so I was, so we're, I'm in that we're, you know, waiting on a waiting on a foster placement and I'm praying for her and I called her and I said, I keep thinking about these girls. Is there a website, you know, that I could just go on and look at them, look at their orphanage and kind of see where they're at. And she said there is. And then out of nowhere, she said, and there's another one I really think you should look at. And she gave me the name of it. And I went on there and I looked at the waiting, you know, went to the waiting children page, which I don't, again, this story will date itself because I don't think that would anyway, (laughs) the Went to the waiting children page and I scrolled down and my son was in, there was a picture of him. And I mean, I knew it. I knew that that oh. was my son. I mean, it just like, like, like getting hit by a Mack truck. And I um, bless my husband's heart. Right. I mean, the guy is like 25 at this point had three kids <laughs> waiting on a fourth. And his wife is like, I know we're totally broke and like barely swimming, but I seriously think that this is our son in Haiti. <laughs> like He's such a good guy. So oh, he said to me, Han I am pro kids and I am pro adoption, but I am not feeling what you are feeling at this oh. time, you know? And so I just had to wait on it, you know, and I just gave it time. And um, he kind of went through, you know, his own process of thinking through that and could we do that? And did we have what this child needed? And um, in there was a point in that process where we were at church and our pastor gave an analogy and it involved a family and an adoption from Haiti that just um, really, you know, something about that story really spoke to my husband. And he uh, went to work the next day and just did a lot of reading on the situation in Haiti and um, um, what, you know, the situation for an orphan in Haiti. And he came home the next day and he said, you're right. That is our son. And so, um, yeah, that chokes So I was sitting there. Yeah. Like, I was sitting there like with my pen in hand, you know, like for the go ahead. <laughs> How old was he at the time, your son? Uh, he was 18 months at the time. He came okay. right before he turned three. So he was 18 months when we started. And then- okay, so took some time. Okay. Yeah, right before he turned three when we got him home. So yeah, so oh. I. We were-
0: Here comes the first boy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So
1: we rushed Woodson's dossier and got. You know, I went to, I still remember going to mail it at the FedEx store and I, you know, it's like, I mean, you have to mail like your original documents or you didn't, it isn't a yeah. copy of your birth certificate. Like it's your birth certificate. It's your, and, um, and I, it's in this box and you've spent like the last four months of your life staying up all night, putting it together. And I go to hand it to the like 17 year old kid on the other side of the counter <laughs> and, he said, and he says to me, ma'am, if you're going to want to mail this box, you have to let go of it. Oh, <laughs> I was like, had a death grip on the box, so I mailed that, and I got the call for
0: Treg the next day. Oh my goodness! Well, the day after you mailed the box, the day after I mailed the dossier. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Know. And, and had
1: I gotten the call for Treg earlier, I could not have put the dossier together, you know, in the amount of time that I did. Right. Yeah. So got that in the mail. was he?
0: Treggy was five months when he came. Oh my goodness! Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had gotten—he was three, mm-hmm. and then so Woodson. Well, no, no, not when you. Okay, so you but got and Woodson came out of
1: age order. Okay, mm-hmm. got Woodson it. Woodson is older. They're only fifteen months apart. Woodson is older, but Trey came first. So when Trey, Trey came at five, we were working on Woodson's adoption, but he was still in Haiti. So by the time Woodson came home, he was almost three, and Trey was like one and a half.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep track. I'm having to write notes down here. Like, no. wait a minute. Okay, we're on oh. number five and this one yeah. was this uh-huh. age and everything, but yeah. I love it. It's so cool. And like I said, I've, I've been watching them, you know, on yeah. you know, the other pictures grow up. And I mean, I just, I can't believe how old, you know, they are now, but it's just It's been great to see it, but we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We still have to talk about some more kids and then a few other things I want to talk about with you. So we'll be right back. Perfect. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent they go around the world for you before you look call or stop in and talk to Jeremy find out more at MazdaKent.com okay we are back talking with Christy Durston again and we were you're kind of going through the you know uh, the, your kids one by one you know how they came to be adopted mm-hmm. biological when and how old and all that so I think we went um We've got with five, three, right? Three, we went through five. five. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. So four more. Yeah. <laughs> now, at this point, are you or your husband kind of like, we're good? Like, I know it, you had mentioned you always had seven, but are you like, right. you know, because there's so many and there's so the few are close in age. Like, are you kind of like, I think this is good. This is great. We've, you know, or not.
1: Well, you know, I've always, I don't know what it is with me, but I- when people say to me, "You know, when you get that feeling that you're just done," I say, no. "You're like, no, <laughs> I don't know that feeling. It's it's not that I, I'm. I mean, I understand that most people have that feeling, and for whatever reason, I just don't ever have that feeling. Um, yeah. My husband is closer to." Well, I think, you know, they would probably be responsible to be done here and provide for these children. You know, I mean, he's a little little more level-headed in that way. Uh But um, but he has such, yeah, he has a huge heart.
0: And so you didn't feel that way after five. You just were kind of like, I'm Um, open, you know, either way, you just see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So So then who was next? Okay. So
1: then there's a little bit of a gap and I don't, I hadn't. Planned on putting this in the story, but it's definitely part of the story. So I will. I had some really serious mental health struggles after
0: Woodson came home. I'm I'm glad that you so, have the guts to mention it because yeah. I think, and I would never, I, I would have never known that, and I wouldn't have asked you without your permission. But I didn't even know. But I think it takes a lot of guts and. Yeah. There are so many people that mm. probably you know, right now are like, when they hear this, are going to say like, oh my goodness, or me too, you know, that can relate and yeah. nobody wants to share that kind of stuff. It's just share the the great stuff, which is what we were sharing. But I think that I, I appreciate you sh- being able to, to have the guts to sure. share that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Really and that's, we,
0: yeah. And we're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. Yeah. I mean, wherever we are in our mental health journey, we are not alone. And to hear you, you know, you're so well-spoken and you're so together. And obviously you are, that doesn't mean you aren't. But like, again, I think there's that stigma where like, you know, if right. someone admits, mm-hmm. they, oh, they're and like they a crazy together. person, they have something wrong with them and that's not okay. the case. Yeah. no. So yeah. So that mm-hmm. after, after your fifth child, you struggled with that it's So go ahead.
1: mental health stuff. And it just, um, partly I had kind of run on, I think the adrenaline of, I mean, adoption is adrenaline producing when you're adapting kids out of severe trauma, right? And my body had kind of adjusted to that. And I think part of it was that letting down. And part of it was a health issue that I I didn't realize I had. And it took me about three years to hunt down. And so, um, okay, so to shorten this story, there is something going. I have um, a pretty intense form of TMJ where my tongue's way too far back in my throat and my breathing isn't what it should be. And so my body... Um, gets real low levels of oxygen. And so what it does to hold that airway open the way it should be is it pumps these crazy high levels of adrenaline. So if you do that for too long, you drive down your serotonin and you mess up all your hormones and you feel really, really miserable. And so I was parenting these, you know, these kiddos with a lot of needs and really myself was barely hanging on. So I, I lived with a ton, a really, really dark depression and sort of in a forever panic attack, like a panic attack. I just could never get out of. It was sort of like that feeling if someone, if, if my babysitter were to come rushing in the door right now and tell me that, you know, story fell down the stairs and she wasn't conscious. It was like that feeling, but it never quit. Hmm. And so that was a real dark depression. And I went to, I mean, you name it. I tried it um i tried the traditional side of things with medicine and i am not um i if whatever tool works for people i think is the right tool it just i couldn't get it to work and so the 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 heart of the issue was that i was being treated mainly for anxiety and most things for anxiety relax your muscles well the problem was that my tongue which is a muscle was already too far back in my throat so every time someone relaxed it i just would go back into their office saying i'm a million times worse and it was like every time there, this look came over, it was like usually appointment four, or appointment five. They got this look over their face, and I went, "They don't know what to do with me either." Know? Don't know and it felt. Do. And my yeah. husband, who is just an absolute rock star, would say to me, "Honey, we're not better until you're better. I will, you know, I will walk every like every step of this with you." And he just, ah, oh, that chokes me up because he's just, just amazing, right? And so, eventually, I figured, well, I can't fix the fact that I want to die. Maybe I'll just fix my TMJ <laughs> Take the problem you can handle. So I went to this guy who I didn't even realize when I went was this completely alternative outside of the box dentist who wasn't even really a dentist anymore, who literally people. (laughs) I don't want to know what he was, (laughs) but if it worked, it worked. (laughs) Well, he was an airway specialist. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a Ouija board involved or anything. And so, and so he, um, he took one x-ray and he looked at it. He said, I know exactly what's wrong with you. And I know how to fix it. And at the time he had me all hooked up to things that were measuring my heart rate and my oxygen and everything else. And he built this mouthpiece for me and he put it in my mouth and my, on the monitor, my heart rate came down 40 beats per minute. And I wept because I knew I sat there and I wept because I knew he'd found exactly what was wrong with me. And, um, and he said, if you hadn't been so caught up in trying to figure out what was wrong with you, I think you could have just listened to yourself and realized you, you weren't breathing. And so that kind of transitions back into my kid story a little bit, because from when Aaliyah turned about seven or eight until she was 11, she walked through an absolute nightmare health struggle. I mean, I had a little girl who was eight, nine years old who... Was so depressed, she was suicidal, and who on her bad days um, couldn't even walk up a set of stairs. And I'll pause right here and say, anything I share about my kids, I have their full permission and blessing to share. And the things that my kids aren't comfortable with, I
0: I wouldn't share. So, and I think that's important, and I, I'm glad that you noted yeah. that. And yeah, because I think I think you know they're going to hear this, obviously, right, and it's yeah. me you know, and right. other people. So I think that's important to respect their privacy. And, then, and on the flip
1: side, there. The older girls are at the point of saying, "Please share it if it can help anyone. Oh, share it, you know." Cool. Um, but the kids are in the thick of it. I'm not sharing their <laughs> their stuff. Yeah, no, that's there's, there's no reason. Yeah. yeah, so and I knew the whole time I knew that whatever was wrong with me was what was wrong with her. I mean, you've seen her on my social media, uh-huh. me a little bit younger, right? So I uh, totally she's, made, she's built like me, and I knew it. I knew, and so when that. So when lucky doctor, for her she is when the doctor oh, <laughs> that's, that's okay. true. So when the factor, you know, knew what was wrong with me, I I got her in there. He took her X-ray and he said it's your X-ray a little bit smaller. So the blessing was that not only was I able to walk through healing, she was able to walk through that as well. And um, so when she, I'll never ever ever forget it. And hopefully, um, we can tie this into the hurt, you know, parents who are watching their kids hurt right now. Mm -hmm. Um, when she was I think she was nine years old. I can remember exactly where I was standing. I can remember everything she looked at me and she said, when I grow up and I look back at being a kid, all I will remember is that I was tired and I was sad. I think I, 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 I like, you know, like I felt my heart break in half and, that feeling as a parent, and we've all known it on different levels, where you would give the entire world and everything you have and everything you could give to stop what your child's walking through and you can't do it. And, um, and it, it absolutely just, just wrecked me. And obviously we continued down every, you know, road we could find. But like I said, I knew when I figured out what was wrong with me, I would know what was wrong with her. And we did. And she was able to walk through healing. And two years later, we had just moved here. She was 11 years old and we were setting up for her birthday party. And she looked at me and she said, I am so thankful because I'm such a happy girl. And, um, and we, you know, I just remember kind of those two points as the, the low point in her healing journey and the point where she knew that she was out of the woods. And, um, Now, as a 19-year-old, when she looks back at her childhood, she doesn't remember that she was tired and she was sad. She remembers that she struggled, but that she saw redemption. You know, she saw healing and that it equipped her to, um, you know, if you ask someone to describe, if I can, not that I'm here to brag on my kids, but just the result of suffering. If you ask someone to describe Aaliyah, they will describe her as the person who is kind to everyone. Because when she sees people she sees their struggle and so that um that was a big piece of kind of our family's timeline was that health piece and that
0: shift and so that's a really long yeah, answer to why I'm really glad that you that. shared it like After I said it takes guts to share it and and it's just honesty like everybody has things they deal with and go through mm-hmm. you know whether it's physically, mentally, whatever it is, and there's different levels and everyone has different things, but everybody has something and you don't, you don't know it. You know, you just see what you think you see. Right. Um, which isn't, you know, always, usually it's not always the whole story. Um, and so if you are struggling with something, you can start to think you're alone. Um, and so I, I, do appreciate you sharing it and sharing how you, you know, that, that, that was a big part of your life. And then for your daughter too, but you, you are out of it. And so, yeah. and not that there aren't days, you know, everybody sure. has days. Oh yeah. There's and days where I feel okay. it on the edges and I go, okay, what do I need to do today? Yeah. See. Yeah. You know, it. you can recognize it yeah. and say, okay, let's, mm-hmm. let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Or here's what I need mm-hmm. um, to hap- make happen today. So I can, you know, not be that way today. Um, and that's that was a great story and you had to because you had to have four more kids so you had to, <laughs> had to have
1: four more kids you had to figure that
0: out <laughs> number five yeah, right I feel my
1: health struggle and i look at my husband and say, babe do i have another <laughs> I I'm, I'm good now. Let's go. I kind of just I mean I really it had gotten so dark that I you know I had really my, my goal in life was really just to hold it together and not you know end up unable to parent my kids was really the goal I had put together for myself. So here I was back in the game, and um and I said oh, let's have another one. So so Reichler was born when I was no did we have, no Reichler was born when I was 34. And then, um, so I kind of messed up the timeline, (laughs) right? I don't know why you can't keep track of it all. (laughs) I mean, okay. Reichler was born only like three months into that health struggle. I walked through that with Reichler. Okay. I was better. Then I had story at 38, Matson at 41 and tug my grand finale surprise at 44. He, I was, he was three months old when I turned 45.
0: Okay, so you have, how many you adopted? Four, Four special delivery, five homemade. I love that. Special delivery and homemade. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. And there's no difference. I'm just trying yeah. to get, you know, the logistics of it, you know? So, and that was another thing I know um you... Had your youngest that you're you know yeah your last surprise at 44 Mm -hmm. right 44 Mm -hmm. and like that's not old and now if you know someone's 44 I'm like oh gosh you know (laughs) you're so young (laughs) but I mean obviously in the you know having a baby timeline that can be concerned I remember when I had Carly yeah I had my youngest and I was 39 Uh and they were like. Well, um, and even with my son who I was 35, you know, especially with Carly, it was like, I remember they start throwing out this advanced maternal age (laughs) and I'm like, "What? wait, what? What is that? What are you saying? And like my doctor, like he he would he didn't dare, you know, because he knew. But like I would go for other appointments or ultrasound. And you're like oh, advance. I'm like advanced. Retry-? So you're trying to say I'm old and and I'm not, you know. But it was just it's crazy how that happens. And then they they treat your pregnancy differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, well, you know, a couple of years ago you weren't doing this, you know, and stuff like that. So it's just it's just crazy. But it's not. It's definitely not old, but. I'm interested in hearing what you, having a baby at 44, which again, like I said, is not old, but you've also had, you know, a lot of kids, but old. Having, a now, <laughs> having a baby now as compared to, you know, your first or second or whatever, um, how are you, do you think you're different mm. or how are things different with mm-hmm. this baby? Mm-hmm. Um, oh,
1: that's a good question. I think I'm different in soaking up every moment and savoring Mm. everything and realizing that it really is worth it to just sit on the floor and play with the blocks and let the other things go. And, you know, I mean, not that I didn't believe those things in theory before, but I don't think I was, you know, as good at doing them. And I was less able to do them because I had fewer older kids to help me out. But, um, yeah, I think that I, um, I think that I'm realizing how fast, how quickly the time does go, how quickly that it goes. And the challenge of, you know, my friends who are my age, their youngest kids are 12 or 13. So there's a little bit of, you know, I think the challenge that didn't used to be there before is connecting my younger kids to social and and friend groups when they aren't the places that that I am now. And, you know, sort of playing all those all the love, you know, more than one level on the continuum at one time, you know, mm-hmm. it's a little bit of a challenge. My girlfriend's giving a hard time for insisting on um, living all the stages of life at once.
0: <laughs> you are, your friend is right. That's hilarious. That's a great way to put it. You have every stage going on at once. So, oh my yeah, so the challenge
1: of keeping up with those things and at the same time, just trying to stay present. I, um, something recently that I initially pushed against, which kind of talked against the idea of multitasking and, um, and I feel like multitasking is how I survive. but it really was encouraging moms to just, or parents to don't try to do the other three things at once, just do the one thing. And, and when I started to practice that, I went, wow, this really is life-giving, you know, this really is so.
0: Yeah because you can give your whole self and we do it I'm guilty of all the time but you can actually give your whole self to that one thing and the other things instead of just little bits you know and the other things they're still going to be there yeah you know absolutely. it's not a big deal really in the big thing you know big picture like if those you know depending on what they are you know if it gets done now or later or tomorrow or right. never <laughs> yes yes so how we talked about, and I do, I, I love your family and I love you. I, I really want to meet your husband <laughs> because I love him.
1: Um, great guy. So, and, and the thing you probably can't tell by the pictures on social media is that he's really, really funny.
0: Yeah. Oh, he has to have a great sense of humor that mm-hmm. there's no doubt. <laughs> you have to have a great sense of humor. Yeah. He, says <laughs> to have motto, all
1: this. he says our family motto is if you can't make it better, make it funny.
0: see, I knew I really, really do want to meet him. I knew, I know we would get along. Um, and so we talked about a little bit, you know, earlier, just when we were talking, just, um, how a lot of kids are struggling anyway, you know, with with different things, but especially Mm -hmm. now, Mm or, you know, a lot of kids are struggling because of the situation and, and you've had kids that have struggled, you know, with Mm -hmm. different things for sure in the past things that you, didn't have any control over things that they came to you with, you know, and they right. struggle. And so how do you, how did you, how do you, because it's ongoing, you know, mm-hmm. Help these kids that have these, you know, different issues with emotional issues and things that they, they, they struggle with.
1: Sure. I think that the biggest thing that I'm, that I've learned as I've walked these 20 years with kids from hard places, um, whether they were, you know, came through adoption or, or were born into our family um, is a shift. The shift I've made in parenting is from addressing behavior to addressing needs. And it doesn't mean that we, that I ignore behavior because I certainly don't, but I have learned and have grown through you know, the simple motto, if my child's giving me a hard time, they're having a hard time. And I think that my my focus used to be to get a hold of that behavior, um, you know, and whatever, you know, give an extra chore or take away screen time or whatever that consequences for that behavior and maybe look at the need later. And the shift into look at the need right at the beginning and um, sit down with that child or sit down with your partner and uh, whatever um, the child's therapist, or whatever you need to do, to what's driving this behavior, and when we can't, when the child can't identify that, you know, lots of times for my older kids, you know, if I'm getting a lot of a lot of back talk or eye rolls or whatever I'm dealing with, and I say, what? "Time out here. What's going on, bud? You know, what what's driving this?" They have practiced enough now that they're usually pretty quick to say, "Oh, I'm worried about that. You know, that that thing with my friend, or I, I think all my friends were." online last night and I, and I didn't know about it, or, mm. you know, and we're, it, you know, and they can get to that need pretty quickly. Younger kids, um, sometimes they can't get at the need, but you can always just start with the hierarchy of needs, right? So shelter, right. shelter, food, and water are at the bottom. So first one is establish that our home is a safe place, you know, the, and, and that's a real big one for our kids right now, because our kids have gone from a general feeling that the world was a safe place to a general feeling that it's not. And that is no small deal in childhood. And so to start with that need of establishing th- that this in our home is safe and even asking what makes you feel the most safe or what do you need to feel the most safe? Um, and then do you need a drink? Do you need some food? And then, you know, what's, what's the next need that they might have and kind of working yourself up if they're too little to verbalize it. But really, um, and again, it's not, it's not that you never address a behavior, but if you are at the same time addressing the need behind it, you will um, get to growth and healing a whole lot faster. Because our kids right now are so isolated and feeling lonely in ways they haven't in the past. And then if they feel isolated from us because we aren't paying attention to their needs, um, I think we're going to really ump, up the ante on that one. And that um, that is... Yeah, that's tough.
0: I think that's great advice and it's really something to think about, right? Usually it's like, let's just address this behavior, get this corrected and and like you said no one's saying ignore that, but what's the reason for right. it? Yeah. There's always a reason, you know, think about, you know, yourself, there's a reason for everything you do. Right. So what's the reason behind it? And it might be little, and it might be something big that needs, you know, address. So mm-hmm. I really like that. You can do it, you know, both, you can correct that. You get addressing the reason is going to correct the behavior yeah. and, most times anyway.
1: And I think it's important when they tell us to, to believe them and, or to believe them slash not try to fix it. My tendency as a parent is to, you know, if they tell me something like, you know, my so-and-so doesn't like me anymore. You know, he used to be my best friend. He doesn't like me anymore. My instant. Um, instinct there is to is to try to fix it. Oh buddy, I'm sure he does. Yeah. I'm sure he's just busy. Right. And, right. But, but I end up <laughs> like that.
0: Da, da, that da, you know, sure. whatever
1: it is. Yeah, he's a teenage boy too. He, you know, he wasn't thinking when he said that. Or but and what I end up doing is I end up invalidating my kids. And so um, I think to validate that it is is because how they describe it to you may not be how it actually is, but they will describe it yeah, but- how it actually feels. And so mm. if we correct how it actually is to them, it feels like we invalidated how they actually feel. So just mm. validating how hard that must feel and how hard that must be. And then I think I think a challenge we're in right now with um, with the, the COVID situation is our kids problems have gone from being more solvable to less solvable. Not that yeah. there were problems before that were difficult or impossible to solve, there certainly were, but I mean a lot of it right now just can't be fixed and um and I think that that ties in sort of what I've learned through um a really great therapist that's worked with our family, what I've learned about grief, because our kids are experiencing, I mean, if we're, I mean, I was saying to my husband a year ago, if one of my kids was sick and they found out they were going to miss a whole week of their activities, I think of how disappointed and sad they would be one week, you know, and, and now these kids are staring down, you know, weeks upon weeks upon weeks. And, and so it's legitimate loss and grief. And the, the thing about grief is that to deal with it, we don't fix it. So if somebody's feeling, let's say that their big struggle, struggle is um, self-image or, you know, there's a lot of things we can do to help them see themselves in a different light. But if what they're struggling with is grief and loss, we have to let the grief and loss sit there. And the way to deal with it is is basically to dilute it. It's like it's the bleach in the bucket and you've got to find the water to, to toss in there with it. So we acknowledge the grief and the loss and we say that it's as real as it feels. And then we talk through what we can do alongside of that to dilute it or, or make it feel you know less less intense. What can we plan as a family that we know can't be canceled? Or how can I connect you with a friend this week that's life giving for you or whatever that may be? But acknowledging that grief has to, we have to sit with them in it, and um, I think that that brings up the need that I have recognized in myself lately as a parent to separate my grief from theirs and make sure that I'm dealing with my grief with my journal, with my prayer time, with my husband, with my girlfriend, so I'm not
0: piling it on top of their grief,
1: if that makes sense.
0: Those are really good. It makes a lot of sense. It's really good advice. Great reminders. Um, Super smart. You know, the, the first thing that you kind of mentioned about um, not trying to fix it. And I think, I think I have a tendency probably to do that. You know, I was thinking of myself, like, what do I do? You know, and I think, you know, because like probably most parents, most moms, if you're a child, like you said, your son might say they're doing this, you know, without me or I was left out or this or that, you don't want them to feel badly, Mm-hmm. So we try to fix it, and try to like, oh no, 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 that's I'm sure that wasn't this or it was probably just this or and on the one hand I do that because I want them to realize that there may be a different way to look at it. Sure. You yeah. know, like you may be jumping to conclusions, you right. may be, you know, that kind of thing so or you're let's let's wait, give them the benefit of the doubt. So I want them to realize that they may be looking at it, you know, like yeah. I said there's another way to get another side of it but also because yeah you, you want to hurry and take that uh uncomfortable feeling or that pain that they're having nobody wants them to be mm-hmm. upset so it's like oh no 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 i'm sure to. and so i i think that i tend to do that a little bit too instead of just saying like kind of slowing down and, and like you said just saying yeah i bet that would feel or that does feel badly and that's and I know that's happened to me too. And that feels, doesn't feel good, but then kind of maybe continue on with like, well, are you sure? Order the conversation. Yeah. Are you sure you're looking at it correctly or whatever? Yeah, and just, exactly. and sometimes maybe you just say like, that stinks and there's yeah. nothing to do, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, it yeah. just stinks. Sometimes people mm-hmm. aren't nice, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right. but like you said, not to fix it all. And like you said, you know, that the second point, just to really make sure that You know, because we we need to be healthy so that we can help our kids Uh to be healthy. And so like you said, and I really, really like that you said, you know, you would kind of deal with your things with your girlfriends or with your husband, not your kids, because I think too many parents put put them as equal, you know, and and they share their adult issues or things they should be sharing with their husband or their friend or whatever it is Mm -hmm. with their kids and that's not your kid's job. Sure. Yeah. And um, it can be difficult. To take that on. You know, they, they don't need to take that on. Right. Yes. Yeah.
1: And, and it's difficult right now as parents, I think. So like my daughter was a senior in high school last year, and I had to recognize that she wasn't the only one who'd been looking forward to graduation. I had been, you know, and yeah, the only one who'd been working, looking forward to all these end of the senior year things. I had been look, looking forward to connecting with parents at those things. And, and yeah. so I had to back off and do a little work there to separate what was my grief over what I was losing because it felt selfish to say when she was losing such a huge thing, it felt selfish to say that I was. What about me? me. What about me? Yeah. (laughs) But then what I was ending up doing was compounding mine with hers and that wasn't helping either. Right. And so it's that tricky piece of um, making sure. And along with that, just what are we, are we doing the things that we need to give ourselves grace in parenting because this is incredibly difficult right now. I mean, I think we should just all be shooting for a solid B average. I don't think anyone.
0: <laughs> me, <laughs> yeah. What do you mean, B? Me?
1: <laughs> grace, grace, grace for ourselves and right in yeah. ourselves so that we have something available for our kids because I don't think we can hold ourselves to that same standard that we do when the world is ticking along.
0: Right. And maybe we don't, maybe that was. Um, that standard was not realistic anyway. So you you have to look at what is your standard? Is it realistic? Is it necessary? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, is anyone going to be better off if I hold myself to this standard or not? You know, probably no. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Chrissy, you are, you really are an amazing mom and you're an amazing person. And Mm -hmm. I think you've done what so many people wouldn't, couldn't, whatever the reason, um, really just, just, um, you are, you are really inspiring and encouraging and you, um, you're very smart to talk to, you know, a lot and you, um, so I really, am really glad that you were here. I appreciate you taking the time. I know, um, you're slightly busy over there. So <laughs> thank, you thank you so much. For I appreciate me. It. And we could, we could talk, I mean, you know, great keep going on. There'd be a lot more things I would love to ask you. So I wish we lived closer I know. Um, <laughs> and I could get my hands on, you know, some of your kids. So, um, I really appreciate it. It was great. It was very special for me to have you on. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It really was. It was thank well to the chat. Thanks. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at mazdakent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at northeastohioparent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at northeastohioparent.com.